Thank you for joining us today for our River of Life podcast with Brother Bill Jenkins. If you are ever in our area, we would love for you to join us. For more information, visit us at rolcrofferville.com. That's rolcrofferville.com. Now, let's join Brother Bill Jenkins as he teaches from the Word of God. All right, everyone, it's 7 o'clock, and uh, if you did not, if you have not received a piece of paper, uh, raise your hand. Somebody didn't give you a piece of paper, raise your hand. We've got some people that'll give you one. There he is. Johnny on the spot. Thank you, Lonnie. Thank you, David. Got it. Brother Paul's working over yonder. Now, really, these pieces of paper, you can kind of look at it, and it'll be a guide for us tonight. And uh, there's something that you can take home with you. A lot of scripture references. Our pastor preached this last Sunday. And uh, did anybody know what he preached on? Listen. And his primary focus was on what? The Word of God. And I don't know if you know this or not, but in the Bible, uh, the Bible describes itself as being a hammer. It breaks things asunder. It's a fire. It's a consuming fire. And the Bible describes itself as being a sharp two-edged sword dividing asunder. And so what we're going to do tonight is we're going to be looking at the subject, why did Jesus go back to heaven? And uh, actually, this is a five-message series, and I want to just preach all five of them to you tonight because I don't know when I'll be back. So I, I hope you ate good tonight before you came in here. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for the opportunity and privilege that you have afforded us this evening. And God, you know our heart. I'm seeking, God, more than anything else, your divine wisdom and leadership. God, I want you to take full control of this service. I ask you, Lord God, right now, speak to us through your word. It's only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. Just went through Easter. And uh, most of you have studied the Bible enough to know that after the resurrection, Jesus Christ walked among the disciples for 40 days. Uh, Paul would write to us in 1 Corinthians and tell us that he was seen of over 500 people at one time. Of that number, many remained until that day that he wrote it. So it was very important that God orchestrated for all of these people to see the resurrected Christ. When you come to Acts chapter number 1, uh, the disciples asked Jesus a question in verse number six. It says, and when they therefore were come together, they asked him saying, Lord, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? You have to understand their mindset. They did not know about the church age. They didn't know about the dispensation of grace that you and I live in. In fact, it's not until Ephesians chapter 3 that Paul says that God made him a minister to reveal this mystery of the church age. They wanted Christ to set up his kingdom. That's what they had been taught their whole life. Uh, the Old Testament prophets talked about the coming Messiah, and when he came, he would set up his kingdom. But what they didn't realize was from the time that he came until the time that he came back, there's a holy parenthesis there that we call the church age, and it's the dispensation of grace. Uh, Y'all still with me? Say amen. All right. Uh, the event is recorded in Acts chapter 1, verse number 8, and I'm just going to read some of this scripture to you before we go back, before we get started. Uh, it says, Acts chapter 1, verse number 8, but ye shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Wouldn't that have been something to be there that day? I recently was speaking, and one of the young pastors there referred to me as being a dinosaur. Can you believe that? And, and you know, I know I'm a little bit older, but... Uh, I'm not old enough to have been there that day when that happened. But had I been there that day, I could have told you exactly what those disciples said when they saw Jesus going up into heaven. You know what they said? Whoa! 
What would you have said if you'd have been there? Listen to what he says in this verse of scripture. At verse 10, and while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel and said unto them, you men of Galilee, why stand you gazing into the heaven? They're still like this. They had never, ever witnessed anything like that. And then this statement from the angels. This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, so shall come again in like manner as you've seen him go into the heavens. Luke records a little bit of it in Luke 24, verses 50 and 51. And he says, and he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands, and he blessed them. And it came to pass that while he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. So here's the question. Why did Jesus go back to heaven? Wouldn't you like to know the answer to that? You've got it in your hands if you've got one of those pieces of paper. And the answer is not from some old bald-headed fat preacher that come up with something off the cuff. All of these come from the Word of God. And that's where we have to put our faith. That's what we listen to is the Word of God. And so the first thing that I would mention to you, and it's right there on your paper, why did he go up to he- why did he go back to heaven? John's Gospel, the 14th chapter, Jesus Christ makes this statement. This is the night that he was betrayed. This is the night of the Last Supper. He said, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. Here it is. And if I go, I will come again. And receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And so the first thing we can say is that Jesus Christ said, I got to go away because I need to prepare you a place. You know, I I preach so many times on heaven. I love preaching on Revelation 21 and 22. But you know what Paul would write in 1 Corinthians? He said that I hath not seen, nor hath ear heard, nor hath it entered into the mind of man. All of the things that God has got prepared for them that love Him. Amen? Do you love Him tonight? Woo, you got a surprise coming. Amen? You, you can't even comprehend in your wildest imagination. I mean, oh, what's his name? Spielberg? Spielberg can't come up with anything close to what, what God has got prepared for you in the next life. The second reason that he went away. The word of God tells us there uh, is that he went into heaven so that he could send the Holy Spirit of God. You've got your Bible. If you've got it open, uh, if not, the scriptures will be up here. Uh, John chapter 14, verse number 16. This is what your Bible says. And I, this is Jesus doing the speaking. And I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Now, when Jesus said that, he said another after the same kind. I'm going to give you a comforter. And the word is literally the word paraclete in the Greek. And it means someone who is called alongside. And so Jesus went off to heaven, number one, to prepare a place for you. But number two, he went to heaven that he might send the paraclete, the comforter, to come and to be with you. And this is what the word of God says that he may abide with you forever. Do you know that is a brand new concept? In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit of God would come on a man and leave. In 1 Samuel chapter 10, the Holy Spirit of God came on Saul, who was later become King Saul. And the Word of God says that God gave him a new heart and that he prophesied with the prophets and he was filled with the Spirit of God. Wow, what a man! But then the Word of God says that he got haughty and lifted up with pride. And he took upon himself things that he should not have taken upon himself. And because he rebelled against God, God rejected him from being over Israel. And the Holy Spirit of God departed. You know that there was a time in Samson's life. The Word of God says that Samson was God's strong man. Y'all remember? He's, getting his, he's carrying off the gates of Gaza one day on the back of his shoulders. 
And then the next day he got his hair cut in the devil's barbershop. Yeah. And this is what the word of God said. And he wist not that the spirit of the Lord had departed from him. In the Old Testament, the Spirit of God would come on someone and then it would depart. But Jesus promised us a new manifestation of the Spirit and that He would come on us. And according to Scripture, John chapter 14, and there in verse 16, He said, He will abide with you forever. Thank God for our comforter. Somebody say amen. Thank God that He takes every step that we take. Here's John's Gospel again. John the seventh, 16th chapter and the 7th verse. Jesus Christ doing the speaking. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send Him to you. The word expedient that's used in this verse of Scripture means very necessary. It is very necessary. Jesus told His disciples, He said, it's very necessary that I go away. Why? Because when I go away, I'm going to send the Comforter to you, the Paraclete, and He is going to dwell with you. But He can't come until I leave. Because it's a different manifestation of the same person. God the Father... God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. You see, people don't realize this. They, when they start studying about the Holy Spirit of God, it begins, it's like a new revelation because they've never heard that the Holy Spirit of God is co-equal with God the Father and God the Son. Each one of them working in their own manifestation. In the dispensation that we are now living in, the dispensation of grace, we find the Holy Spirit of God working differently than He did during the time of the law. Uh, one recent writer wrote this. He said, and I love this, he said if the power of the devil or the power of the Holy Spirit were ever manifested in the local church, it would probably scare them to death. And then he added this, no, I believe it might scare them to life. Amen. The Holy Spirit. Look at your neighbor. Look at the person sitting beside you. What you're seeing is a physical manifestation of a person, hopefully that you like. What you cannot see is that when that person got saved, God came and began to live on the inside of them. And the more they submit to him, the more they crawl upon that altar of Romans chapter 12 and present themselves a living sacrifice, the more the Holy Spirit of God begins to take over. So much so that Paul wrote this in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17. He said, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Hallelujah. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And so what I want to do tonight, I want to spend the, most of the time we're together talking about the Holy Spirit. Are y'all ready? When the Holy Spirit comes to this earth as Jesus, he said, I'm going to send him to you. The paraclete is coming. Well, what is he coming to do? The first thing he said he was going to do, he's going to bring in a spirit of conviction. John chapter number 16 and verse number 8, the Bible says, and when he is come... He will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment to come. Of sin because they believe not on me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. And of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. The Holy Spirit of God was active this last Sunday and you were a part of it. You were in this church service and, and the pastor spoke. And as he spoke, God began to touch people's lives. And they came forward. And, and, and one man gave up marijuana. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. That was well past timing. Uh, there are others that, that God broke the chain off of. We call that breaking those chains, remember? That's the work of the Holy Spirit of God in this hour. I was preaching at a church just down the road. I uh, gave the invitation and a 15-year-old boy came and gave his heart to Jesus Christ. 
Y'all support our ministry, so y'all had a part in that. You're welcome. Thank you very much. God bless you. There was also another man in that service who was about 50 years old. God had gripped his heart to the extent that he knew that he needed to be saved. And yet when he went out the back door of the church, he shook my hand. I said, I'm praying for you. With tears in his eyes, he said, I'm just not ready yet. That convicting power is what the Holy Spirit of God was sent into the world to do. He comes to convict the world of sin. That's what's wrong. Of righteousness, that's what's right. And of judgment, that's the difference between the two. And God has given you the ability by the implanting of his Holy Spirit into your life to know the difference between what's sin and what's righteousness. Can I get an amen right there? Somebody said, well, you know, preacher, I'm just not sure if what I'm doing is really sin or not. Yes, you are, you liar. The Holy Spirit of God spoke to your heart and told you, don't do that. And you want to put it out for public opinion on Facebook or or somewhere. Oh, no, dear friend. It's not what this world thinks. According to the Apostle Paul, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, all of us who are saved will one day stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and we will give an account for the works done in the flesh, whether they be good or bad. One day you're going to stand there. Give an account. Right now the Holy Spirit of God is working in your heart. He's telling you there's some things going on in your life that's not pleasing unto God. And you need to get them out. Well, preacher, I just don't know if I can give it up. And the Bible says you can. And either you're right or the Bible. Which one do you think is right? Let's go with God, okay? Then secondly, not only does the Holy Spirit of God come to convict, he comes to comfort. Aren't you glad? He's the comforter. Isn't that, good? Isn't that a good word? Paul writing to the church in 2 Corinthians chapter number 1, he makes this statement. He says, and the God of all comfort will comfort your heart. And with the comfort you receive, you are to comfort one another. My sister Jo is sitting back here tonight. She has lost her sister in death. It was her baby sister. Now, I love Joe and Ralph. I mean, if you don't love Joe and Ralph, you got a major problem. And I love them, and I put my arms around her, and I love her, and I want to comfort her. But you know what? As much comfort as I can bring, as much comfort as Ralph can bring, as much comfort as our pastor can bring, there's nobody that can comfort her like God can. He is the God of all comfort. Well, how is that manifested in this day and this hour? It's manifested through the Holy Spirit of God. Let me give you one of the greatest comforts that I've got, okay? I know that when I die, I'm going to heaven. Well, preacher, how in the world can you know that? Well, the Bible says, 1 John chapter number 5, these things have I written to you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. I believe the Bible, don't you? And then the Word of God says in Romans chapter number 8, 1 John, uh, 1 John chapter 4, and 1 John chapter number 5, that it's the Holy Spirit of God on the inside of us that bears witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. Isn't that great? God has given you a witness on the inside of you that you are saved. Oh, y'all not getting this. Oh, that's some hallelujah material. That's enough to make a Presbyterian shout. Come on. You can know. Yes. You can know. I I hope I'm saying. God forbid. You know, I'm doing the best I can. God forbid. Word of God says the Holy Spirit comes and takes up residence on the inside of you. And he begins to minister to you. And one of the great comforts of life is the fact that he bears witness that you are a child of God. Also, by the way, let me just throw this out. He it is the Spirit's job to help us in our times of weakness. And he intercedes for us. Can we pull up Romans chapter 8, please, ma'am? Verses 26 and 27. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Do you see him? 
All right, here's what the Bible says. Likewise, the what? The Spirit helps our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray as we ought. Look at this. But the Spirit itself makes intercession for who? For us with groanings which cannot be uttered. God put Himself on the inside of me so that in my time of weakness, in my time when I don't even know what to pray, the Holy Spirit of God (laughs) begins to take my petitions to the throne of grace. Y'all going to catch up with me in a minute. I I left Baptist about, you know, 45 minutes ago. I'm in full Pentecostal right now. And I can't hardly stand it. To think about the positioning that God did when he placed the Holy Spirit of God in you. Let me quickly go on because my time will be gone. Here's a third thing. The Holy Spirit of God came. Jesus said, I'm sending the Holy Spirit of God to you to do what? He says, I'm going to send him to convict the world of sin. I'm going to send him to comfort you as my child. And thirdly, I am sending the Holy Spirit of God to seal you and indwell you. You got your Bible there in front of you or it'll be up here on the screen. Hebrews 13, 5. Here's a promise from an almighty God. He said, Bill, I'll never forsake you and I'll never leave you. But Lord, what if I leave you? What if I go away from you? It ain't about you, Bill. It's all about me and the new covenant I made through the blood of my son. Here's another verse. 2 Corinthians 3, verse number 16. The word of God says, who hath sealed us and given us the earnest of the spirit in our heart. You know what earnest money is? That's like a down payment, we would say. This means that I am investing in this and I'm coming back with full payment one day. The earnest payment. The Holy Spirit of God has been placed in us. Why? It is a promise that he's coming back one day. Amen. And he's living, oh, God, y'all going to get this. This is going to be good. First Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 19. Listen to what Paul wrote. He says, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? Again, John chapter 14 and verse number 16. Jesus Christ is saying, and we already read this. I want to read it again. He said, I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter. That what? that he may abide with you forever. The word abide means to dwell with. First, uh, Second Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 22. I love this. He says, for he, and I'll wait on, there it is. Second Corinthians 1, 22. For who hath sealed us and given us the earnest of the Spirit in his heart. He, zero in on the first part of that. He has sealed us. Did any of y'all, when y'all were growing up, were y'all cultured enough to have your mamas make homemade jellies? My mama canned everything. In fact, during the middle of the winter, sometimes I thought, uh-oh, she done messed around and canned the cat. <laughs> Nasty stuff. But she would make plums. She would, y'all, y'all know what wild plum jelly is? And she would, she would put it in that jar. And, and, and she would put that paraffin on top of it. You know what I'm talking about? And then she'd put that old ball lid on there and it sucked down on there and she'd screw that lid on there. This is all in the spring of the year, you know, and long about middle of December. She'd get up, it'd be cold, and she'd be in that kitchen and she'd make him old cathead biscuits. <laughs> and she'd reach over in that cupboard and she'd pull out that, them preserves and she'd pop that lid. Daddy'd have to take it off because Mama couldn't get it off. And, and, and you take your knife and you pop that little flat lid off of there. Then you stick that knife in there and kick up one side of that old paraffin and throw that out. And those preserves were just like they were when she put them in that jar. Put them on them old cathead biscuits. Oh, I'm telling you what. Make a puppy pull a freight train. Amen. <laughs> Do you understand that's what happened when you and I got saved? God, the Holy Ghost, came and according to the Word of God, He sealed you. Well, I might, you know, sometimes them old lids would pop. 
No, God said, I've sealed you until the day of redemption. Listen to what he said, Ephesians 1 and verse number 13. He says, in whom you also trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Again, in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 30. Here's what the Bible says. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed until the day of redemption. When's he going to break the seal? Now, I know, listen, I've been around folks long enough. I believe some folks didn't get preserved. They got pickled. Amen? So I'm always looking for the seal. Is the seal still good? Placed on there by a holy God. I love this verse out of Ecclesiastes. Some of y'all need to read your Bible. Ecclesiastes makes this statement. It says, I know that whatsoever God doeth, he doeth forever. And nothing can be put to it. And nothing can be taken from it. Did you know that's what your Bible says? And God sealed you. For the day of redemption. I may leave here in a minute. You come finish this. Here's the next one. You got your outline. He comes to conform you. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 29 the Bible says, for whom he did foreknow, he did also predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And so the Spirit comes to conform us into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, how does he do that? Second Corinthians 3 and verse number 18. Here's what the Bible says. But we all, talking about those who are saved, I believe they're southern, don't you? We all. But we all, with open face, beholding as in the glass the glory of the Lord, we are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So the more I look in God's face, the more I become like Him. And this old flesh is dying out. And the Spirit is stirring up and becoming a part of me so much so that people who knew the old bill, they won't even recognize the new bill. I went back to my wife's here. She bear witness to this. I went back to the 20th year class reunion. Fat and bald-headed. When I graduated from high school, I weighed a whopping 155 pounds of solid muscle with long hair. Now I just long for hair, amen? <laughs> I got voted the most changed inside and out. What they told me. Nobody, listen, I went to the nursing home. There was a lady when we were growing up, and mom and daddy worked. They had grocery stores, and they worked in the grocery store, and this lady came and kept us. And so her name was Memo Samuels. She was our, she wasn't kin to us. She just Memo Samuels, Okay. And we went to the nursing home because Mamaw Samuels was out there and me and my wife were there, you know, and I wanted to introduce Linda to Mamaw Samuels. And we went up there and Mamaw looked at me and she said, Bill, I, I, I heard that you made a preacher. I said, I'm so proud. I said, yes, ma'am, I sure am. She said, you was the meanest youngin' I have ever met in my life. <laughs> With my wife sitting there. That's what God does. He moves in. He takes up resident. And if the resident will ever become president, the effect will become evident. Everybody will know that you've truly been born again. Because the Holy Spirit of God is in the process of conforming you and changing you into the image of God. Listen to what he says, Romans chapter 8, verses 9 and 10. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of God, he's none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. <laughs> How can some old 
some old Ralph Oliver. He's old and decrepit and false teeth. But every once in a while when you're around Ralph and he's talking to his father, something happens in that man. He becomes, don't grab his hand, he'll shock you. He's lightning. He, he's filled with the power and the energy of God. How does that happen? Only through God. There's nothing in this world that, that you can buy. There's not enough money in this world for you to hoard up. There's not enough trinkets to make you feel like you will feel if the Holy Spirit of God is ever allowed to move in your life. Oh, what a difference He makes when He comes and He begins to conform us into His image. But i got to hurry. The next thing I want you to see on your paper is that the Holy Spirit of God comes to conduct my walk. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 8 and following. Verse number 10 is what they'll have up here. But Ephesians 2.8 is where God led me back in 2002 when we started His grace ministry. And the Bible says, For by grace are you saved through faith that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works least any man should boast. And most of the time when we read Scripture, we read what we like and we stop. But don't stop. Verse number 10 says, For we are His workmanship we are created in christ jesus unto good works that he god hath before ordained that we should walk in them the holy spirit of god comes and orders my step in fact the bible says over in the old testament psalms 37 verse number 22 the steps of a 23 i'm sorry the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Again, in Proverbs chapter 3, verse number 5 and 6, he says, lean not to thine own understandings, but in all thy ways acknowledge the Lord. Why? And he will direct thy path. If you had asked me 10 years ago, would I be in the river of life teaching on a Wednesday night? I said, are you crazy? Them people down there, they're crazy. I mean, I'm Southern Baptist. Mm, 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 mm. But God's got a way of doing things. And he's got a way, if you will yield to him, he's going to bring the right people, like Henry and Beth Jones, into your life at exactly the right time. He never makes a mistake. Look at your neighbor and say he never makes a mistake. Now, while you're looking at your neighbor, you might think, well, he come pretty close. <laughs> no, dear friend. He is a sovereign God who doeth all things well. He is in the process of moving you into areas you've never been before. He is in the process of taking you places that you've never been before. He is in the process of changing your life and molding you so that you can do that which you thought was impossible. And you come to me as a 20-year-old man in Second Baptist Church in Water Valley, Mississippi, and said, Bill, God's going to call you to preach, and you're going to one day be able to go to Africa and preach to five or 6,000 people. I thought, you are the craziest fellow. Let me sell you some land down there in Arizona. I've got a bridge I want to sell you. No, but God, who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can ask or think, is a God who is ordering our steps, and He's doing it for His honor and for His glory. Let me give you this. The Holy Spirit of God comes that He might guide us and enlighten us. Here's our verse of Scripture for this evening. The Word of God says in John 14, 26, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in My name, He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you, sometimes I can't remember where I put my telephone. What do you do? You can just keep walking around. Linda, call my phone. I can't find my phone. No. Pray. You'd be surprised how many times I have prayed and said, God, please help me find my glasses. 
And he said, reach up on top of your head. <laughs> Listen, this script, do you claim this scripture? Listen to what he says here. He said, he will teach you all things. It is the Holy Spirit of God. Somebody comes to me the other day, and you know, I can use the King James Version of the Bible, and, and they've got so many different translations now, and they've got all this stuff, and somebody comes up the other day and says, I got a new translation. Most folks I know don't need a new translation. They just need a new translator. They're trying to figure out God rather than trusting God. If you could figure out God, that means that God's no bigger than your brain. Isn't that a biggie? Amen? Oh, no. Our God is infinite. And He has promised us when He sends His Holy Spirit that He's going to guide us and He's going to teach us and He's going to bring things to remembrance. And at my age, that is a tremendous blessing. Amen. And then the Word of God makes this statement. John 16, verses 13 and 14. Howbeit when He comes, the Spirit of truth is come. He will guide you into all truth. Well, what is truth? That's what Pilate asked, John chapter number 19. The answer is given over in Psalms 119. This is what your Bible says. Thy word, O God, is truth. And so the promise from the Holy Spirit, from God the Father, is that the Holy Spirit's going to come. And as I study my Bible, He's going to guide me in the truth. He is in the process of doing that still. I hadn't got it all figured out. By the way, you hadn't got it all figured out either. <laughs> Amen? Oh no, he is in the process of guiding, and it's a, it'll go on your entirety of your life. Things that you think are rock solid today will be on shaky ground in 10 years. Oh, he's in the process of guiding. And then also, the Holy Spirit of God. Y'all still with me? Derek will be back next week, I promise. All right. The Holy Spirit of God comes into our life. Why? That we might begin to bear fruit. You got your Bible? Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 22 through 25. The Bible says, listen to this, I love this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and goodness and meekness and temperance. Listen. Against such... There is no law. And they that are Christ, are you Christ? Are you, are you of Christ? Then you have crucified the flesh with the afflictions, affections and the lust thereof. Listen to what he says, verse 25. And we live in the Spirit. Let us walk in the Spirit. And so the Spirit of God comes and He takes up residence on the inside of you. And when He does, He conforms you into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. He energizes you in opening up your mind so you can, you can comprehend the things of God. He's in the process of working out through you. And in all of this, it is the Spirit. Notice what He says here in this verse of Scripture, Galatians 5.22. It is the Spirit, singular. It is not the Spirit's, plural. It is the spirit singer. You got one spirit, you got nine different flavors. And whatever's going on in your life, if you are submitted to the Holy Spirit's leadership, when people come and jostle you, when they steal your parking lot at Walmart, you've been sitting there for five minutes waiting on that woman to take her groceries out of that basket, put them in the back of that car. You could have got out and helped her. I mean, she was on a walker. But oh no, you've been waiting. And finally she gets in and she backs up and she takes off and you're about to go in there and some guy on a moped whoops in there in front of you and takes your parking lot. And what spills out of you right then tells how close you are to Jesus Christ and how much of the Holy Spirit you have allowed to come in. Because when the Holy Spirit comes in, according to Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit First and foremost is love. I can love others. Why? Because he first loved me. Amen. You see, I, I don't need to love you like I love myself. If I loved you like I love myself, there'd be days I didn't like you at all because there's days I don't like me at all. Today was one of those days. I did not like me at all today. 
Well, what did you do? Ain't none of your business. But if I love you like Christ loves you, that means that there will never be a moment that I don't love you. Because his love is 24-7. He always loves. And he says, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another, not as you love yourself, but as I have loved you. And then there's joy. Aren't you glad for joy? Amen. I hate it when I'm mad. And I'm festering. Y'all, y'all know y'all never do this. This is confession for me, okay? I get mad. Sometimes I get mad at me. And I get to festering. And, and I'm just a bubbling over there. You know, I'm gripping the steering wheel. And my wife, she sees all this. She knows what's going on. We've been married over 49 years. Yeah, she married me when I was 10. Over 49 years. And she wants to sit over there and start saying, Oh, what a Savior. I'm mad. Oh, what a Savior. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, no, listen, listen. If you would, would begin to die out to your flesh and crucify that and begin to let the Holy Spirit of God take over, what you're going to find is the things that you used to get so mad about, they don't even bother you anymore. Oh no, you've got a peace. You've got a, a peace that passes understanding. You've got a joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. And you've got a love. I've got to hurry. The Holy Spirit of God comes to lead in our worship. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 18 says, Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be ye filled with the Holy Spirit of God. If you have any Greek scholar in the building, he'll tell you the word filled there is in the present uh, tense. And it means that there is a continual filling, 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 filling. Be not filled, but filled, 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 and it never ends. Why does the Bible say, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit of God? We leak. Amen? You can be in here on Sunday morning. Woohoo! You're worshiping, you're praising God. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. You get in the parking lot, and just about the time you're about to pull on the highway, the cop throws his hand up. And you go, didn't he see me? And then you get out in the highway, and you're going up to the restaurant, and you get there, and the little old girl's working in there. shouldn't have to work on Sunday, but there she is. And she says, sir, I'm sorry, you're going to have to wait about 30 minutes. We're full. Didn't y'all know I was coming? I come here every Sunday. Isn't my table ready? What happens? You were so full of the Holy Spirit. And by the time you got to the restaurant, you done leaked out. That's the reason the Bible says, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be ye filled with the Holy Spirit. And the next verse, taking it in context, The very next verse, verse number 19 says, Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts unto the Lord. Notice what he said. He said, you don't have to go back to church. Begin to speak to yourselves in these hymns and spiritual songs. I was was in church one time. And I was singing. I was, I was in the spirit. I was having a good time. And my wife reached over and grabbed my hand and says, Honey, sing to yourself. <laughs> you don't have to have a crowd. No, you surrender to Him. It's all about Him anyway. It's all about Him. I want to praise Him. And I find that the more that I praise Him, the more and more those anger days and those, those mad days and, and those days when I leave are not as frequent as they used to be. And then I give you this. The Holy Spirit of God comes not only to lead in worship, but to empower us. Acts chapter 1, verse number 8. The Word of God says, But ye shall receive power. The word is dunamis. It is the word from which we get our word dynamite from. And he says, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. What, where are we getting the power to witness? From the Holy Spirit dwelling on the inside of you. And you become witnesses in Jerusalem, that's where you live. In Judea, that's the county. And to Galilee, that's the country. And then to the uttermost part of the world, Samaria. 
You and I are to be witnesses. Second Corinthians chapter number five is our marching orders. As Christ was in the world, reconciling the world unto himself, he hath committed unto us the same ministry of reconciliation. That's our commissioning, but our power is Acts 1-8. When the Holy Spirit of God comes and takes over. And then I've got to give you this because my time's already gone. It's the Holy Spirit of God that gives revelation and wisdom. First uh, Corinthians 2, verses 10 and 11, the Bible says, But God revealed them unto us by His Spirit. For it's the Spirit that searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what manner of, of man knoweth the things of God, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man, but the Spirit of God. And so God knows what God is, and He knows the things of God. And through the Spirit He comes and begins to reveal them unto us. Ephesians 1, verses 17, the Word of God says that the God of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what the riches of His glory of His inheritance is in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. God wants to reveal some things to you and he's going to do it through his Holy Spirit. And then he comes to give gifts uh, to the church. Ephesians 4.11 says he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers. How? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 12, 4, the Bible says, Now there is a diversity of gifts, but the same Spirit. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given the Spirit, the word of wisdom. To another, the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, the gifts of healing by the Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, diverse kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But all of these that worketh one and the self-same Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. Why did Christ come? I told you this is a five-part message. This is just one part of five parts. He came first and foremost that he might go back and he went back to prepare us a place. Thank God for that. Secondly, he went back that he might send his precious Holy Spirit and we just talked all for 45 minutes about the work of the Spirit in our heart. And then thirdly, quickly, he went back that he might be my advocate that he might sit at the right hand of God the Father making intercession for me. That he might walk into that temple and present his own blood on the altar there in glory. And that blood become a propitiation for my sin. First John 1, 7, the Bible said it's the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all our sin. I'm closing. Why did Jesus go back to heaven? He went back to heaven so he can come again. <laughs> Amen. Revelation 19, the word of God says there's going to come a day in glory when he... he We've done the wedding supper of the Lamb. Glorified fried chicken, hallelujah, banana pudding. I don't know what it's going to be. Done the wedding supper of the Lamb. The Bible said he girds his coat about him and he gets up upon that white horse. And he's got a name written on his thigh and his vesture's been dipped in blood. He's king of kings and lord of lords. Comes riding across the Milky Way. All the armies of heaven are in tow. He comes yonder to the city, to the, to the valley of Jezreel, the valley of Armageddon. And he goes there, and there the Antichrist, the false prophet, and the beast, Revelation chapter number 19, they've assembled all of their armies. Jesus Christ goes in, not as a victim. He's not coming to be a sacrifice. He's coming to be King of kings and Lord of lords. The Word of God says he goes down into that valley wearing of the crowns upon his head, and with the sharp sword that proceedeth forth out of his mouth, like somebody took a real ripe tomato, Threw it into one of them wearing blenders set on puree. Just like that. The Bible says the blood runs to the horse's bridles. Wow, what a massacre. You and I are witness to that. Then Revelation chapter number 20 begins with the millennial kingdom. 1,000 years of the reign of Christ here upon this earth. 
where there, nobody, Satan is taken and cast into a, a, a holding place in chains. False prophet, the beast, and, and the Antichrist have been thrown into the bottomless pit. The smoke of their torment ascended up forever and ever. John 14, Satan is chained after a thousand years, after a thousand years of the perfect reign of Christ here upon this earth. The Bible says Satan is loosed. He goes yonder into the multitudes of those who have replenished the earth. They've lived through the tribulation and now they've replenished the earth. And they bring an army against the Lord Jesus Christ like the sand of the seashore. And the Lord Jesus Christ puts them down in ultimate battle, ultimate victory. Revelation 20 and verse number 11. For heaven and earth have now fled away. And there's a great white throne. And it's the judgment of all the lost. And finally, when the last man is judged, and whosoever's name is not found written in the Lamb's book of life, is taken and thrown into the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, this is the second death. Revelation 21. I saw a new heaven and a new earth, because the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, descending out of heaven as a bride prepared her wedding. Woo! Why did he leave, preacher? Why did he leave? So that he can come back again in glorious victory. Not only of death, hell, and the grave. He's coming back to be King of kings and Lord of lords. He's my Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time tonight. Thank you for the privilege of standing before these people. God, we pray that somehow tonight we have imparted something, Lord God, they can take home with them and they can study and they can begin to understand how vitally important it is for us to see the place of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer and his workings even in this moment for your honor and for your glory. Thank you again for all of the blessings of life, God, we bring to you all of those who are on our prayer list. Minister to each one of those, those who are traveling to California for the surgery next Wednesday. Bless them. Put your hand of grace and mercy upon them. And Father God, have your perfect will in our life. Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for listening to this message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or if you need someone to pray with, please contact us at 850 850- 926-1200 or email us at info at rolcrawfordville.com We also want to encourage you to visit us this Sunday morning at 10.30am in Crawfordville. Please visit us online at rolcrawfordville.com for more information and directions.